This is the John Cass Podcast. Thanks for listening. And as a thank you for those who have listened to the podcast and those who listened to me while I was on the radio and who reached out to me after I got let go in July, I'm doing a thank you. I'm doing an Ian's Pizza Way $500 cash for the holidays giveaway. I'm doing an old school radio promotion, but on a podcast. And I've got the keyword for this episode coming up in just a second. It's brought to you once again by Ian's Pizza in Madison, Milwaukee, Denver, and Seattle. And if you miss the Thanksgiving slice, it's gone too late. That's on you. Um, so I will have the keyword here in just a second. And once you get all these keywords, you form a secret message. And then you tell me that message when we're done with it. And then you could be one of, uh, well, just one winner, but you could be the winner of $500. You just DM me the message at John Audius Radio on Twitter, at John Cast Podcast, or on Instagram, also at John Cast Podcast. All DM entries from any social platforms or accounts will be in contention for the final drawing. All right, so before we get to today's keyword, let's start today's JohnCast. What happens when a radio broadcaster gets let go from his sports talk job? Well, he tries to figure out what he wants to do next for a career, and in the meantime, joins the 4 million other podcasts on the internet, and the JohnCast is born. Join me each week as I talk to guests I find interesting or entertaining from the world of sports, play-by-play broadcasting, or whatever else sounds fascinating to me at the moment. The John Cast is what I'm doing until I figure out what I'm doing. Subscribe, download, and I hope you learn something along the way. JG, what are you drinking? Well, it is, uh, it's 9.05, so it's just bourbon straight up. No, it's uh, black coffee, pretty much the only thing I drink. I think coffee, water, and occasionally a whiskey, but that's it. Really? That's all you drink? Coffee, water? I mean, it's uh, hyperbolic, which I tend to do. But for the most part, that's probably 80% of what I drink is pretty much coffee and water takes up three quarters of it. Yeah. I thought you were like starting this thing where I'm only drinking coffee in the morning and I'm only drinking water. And on the weekends, I have a whiskey or something like that. Man, I should try that. Yeah. So I've got my coffee here. I blend it with oat milk. Well, I don't blend it, but I Mm. add oat milk. Almost had the same mugs too. This Yeti mug, it's a Yeti. It looks like a coffee mug. It's whatever it's made out yeah. of. Yeah, mine's blue. It's fantastic. It oh, is yeah. fantastic. Um, so this is Justin Garcia. He is of the Bucks Radio Network. You hear him on the pregame and the postgame. What else do you got going on, JG? That's it. It's a sad life. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. No more. Yeah. I, uh, I do that with the Bucks. Do some other stuff occasionally with the Bucks. Last year, we, uh, we launched a digital pre-game show that we did during the pandemic when fans couldn't be in the arena done some other things for the bucks on their site for digital content and some stuff in the arena if you uh, attend games as well and then uh you can hear me occasionally on wtmj and our espn affiliate down here in milwaukee on a weekly buck show on our bucks post game show that we do and um whenever somebody needs an off day or is sick okay there we go justin garcia now you and i know each other from lacrosse wisconsin times by the way i was just on with john papadopoulos on one oh, of my <laughs> lacrosse. yesterday he talked to me about the podcast and little badger football and stuff and it was awesome i was like i can't believe i'm going to be on 105.5 again but that's where you and i got started that's where you and i met um yeah i mean those are the good old days right it's i can't believe i was just thinking about this the other day it's going on 20 years since that happened. Uh, I still do spots in the cross all the time, although for the competitor when we were in the city, because uh, they're a Bucks affiliate. So every time I'm on there, I'm like, holy cow, I'm on the radio in the cross again. Wait, so and, you're still on the radio in the cross then? Uh, I'm not like hosting a show or anything. No, no, no. But yeah, but um, I got to know one of their hosts that's on, oh boy, uh, what the the basically the WTMJ up in lacrosse that that was the affiliate for the Brewers and the the Bucks and all the other teams except for what we had and uh, he has me on occasionally so the first few times it was like holy cow I'm on in lacrosse again on the radio if only it's on a different station I totally forgot that uh, 105.5 was resurrected because didn't it go away momentarily I think so I think they left for a while yeah but now they're back let's you know let's go start a show there we, well, we were talking about this before we started recording. I was trying to think. It's been 20 years almost since we'd known each other and since I started working there. You started a little before me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was trying to think of who was that that trained me because my first shift in lacrosse was 
I moved up to school before my roommate. I transferred to school up there. And my parents always supported what I was doing, but it was under the guise of you have to have a job. Like, we'll help you out, but you have to be working. So I interviewed to be a delivery man for little, or no, not little Caesars, for uh, Rocky Rococo nice. in Onalaska. And I was leaving the interview like, man, I don't really want to take this job. I got home read the paper and saw an ad of, Hey, interested in sports talk radio. Here's a great entry level job. So I called the number. Uh, our friend, Ben Larson calls me back like, Hey, can you start tomorrow morning? Like, sure. Why not? And this was a Saturday <laughs> morning. Uh, this is when we did three hour Badger pregames too. So it was show up here at like seven 45, which for being a college student is rough on a Saturday, but show up at seven 45, You'll get to see how we do this, and then we'll start to sprinkle, sprinkle you in. So I show up, whoever it was that worked there, there was only like four or five of us, trains me, and um, after like a five-minute training session, just, okay, you think you got this? Because I'm leaving. So I was it for the rest of the day and had to figure everything out. And as we've all come to know in radio, I just didn't stop showing up and that's basically what keeps you around if if you show up and even if you screw up if you just show up you're going to keep a job so I was there for what three years and then uh, back and forth did that all throughout college you and I and, and Ben and our friend Phil and some others did some stuff on the show that we had there and uh, what college football and uh, high school and play-by-play -play for basketball and football. Like you think of everything we did there and just how hands-off it was. Like it was the perfect training ground. It was, it was basically, Hey, here's a bunch of sports stuff to do. See you later. And these 20 something year old guys were like, okay, so how are we going to do this? I guess I get to go call on Alaska versus home or, <laughs> or, or whatever that matchup would be. That's so funny that um, you, you got the job in lacrosse. What, to uh through a radio ad or i'm sorry through a newspaper through TV, ad. yeah through yeah. a newspaper ad that just <laughs> even more it dates the story even more because well and that i'm sure even then like you can't have a high success rate on placing ads and, and job listings and for them to be like holy cow we actually got one here <laughs> i'm sure that was the overall feeling so wait so you moved why did you move to lacrosse because you wanted to be into sports media or what was the deal there i, I was going to whitewater and i just hated it so I had friends in the cross, so I transferred there. And I mean, I felt like I always wanted to be in radio. Um, I listened to it all the time as a kid. I would call into local sports talk stations down where I grew up. And I still never felt like, okay, this is what I'm going to do for a career. I just loved it. So my first couple of years of college, it was still like, oh, I think I'll do marketing or I want to go into teaching. And then it was once I transferred there. Where it's like, yeah, this is, I, I need to do some form of communications and hopefully that leads into radio. Okay. I want to talk about this, but once again, I just started talking to you and I forgot about my Ian's keyword. So here's the Ian's keyword for this episode. It's actually a keyword combo for this episode. You can find the previous five words or word combos on the previous five uh, podcasts. I think it starts with, um, it starts with Bo Ryan. I'm pretty sure is the first Ian's keyword. I don't know. The last five, just, you'll figure it out. Ah, uh, happy. A, happy, the letter A, space, and then happy. That is the keyword combo. If you want to know the other combos, go grab them from the previous five episodes. You're going to form a secret message. And there's a lot of people right now getting a little cocky, thinking, oh, I got this message. I'm going to win this 500 bones. It's not going to happen because there might be a curveball at the end. I don't know. I'm just saying. So it's a happy. Um, Ian's Pizza, check it out. Um, all right. So you moved to the cross because you thought you kind of wanted to be in the sports talk. Well, I mean, I moved there just to for, for, with buddies, just to hang. Yeah, that and I was just like I, I just want to try some different. I don't like this experience. I didn't like the city. No offense to those that graduated or went to Whitewater. I'm sure it's great. I just didn't enjoy the experience. So it was eh, I'm going to try something else. I got a handful of friends that are at Lacrosse, uh a few that were at the Turbo and uh, even more that were going to the University of Minnesota. That's only a couple hours away. So this seems like the perfect place for chapter two. Yeah. And then, so you get the sports talk job at 105.5 in lacrosse and the guy, the kid's like, here you go, push his button, see you later. And then 
and then you stuck on for three years because I was there from 2002. Well, I was there before that interning and getting paid an internship. What's up? Whoa. Yeah. 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 Uh, And then I left in November of 2004 to come to Madison before I got fired in July of 2021. (laughs) So that's kind of been... I, went, so, I was there. It's funny because we were there for two. I was there for like two years, and it's like lacrosse is still the bomb, you know. I was there for about three years, and it's still, if not the favorite, one of the favorite jobs I've ever had. That it based it unlocked everything for me to get to do some stuff on the air. It led to an internship with WTMJ that I did for two years, and then ultimately went back to WTMJ as a producer and doing what I'm doing now. So like that was what started everything. For me, as I mentioned, we didn't have a whole lot of people there either. So we were all pretty close and we were all right around the same age that you think about. We were basically four, four to five college kids were right out of college. So they just said, here you go. You're in charge of the whole thing. And it's not like it was a college station. It was an actual radio station that we were doing. So uh, I still just have so many great memories of that. Uh, the time that we had Butterbean there and had to try and get Butterbean to to do some liners for us and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just like, it taught me so much. And I guess seeing how bad I was and hearing mm-hmm. that and hearing how to get better, like, man, this isn't good. But I will say this. I mean, you were there. We were all there at the same time. There was you, there was me, there was Phil Dawson, there was Ben Larson. We had a couple other uh, interns, but like between the four of us, the three of us, what you did and are doing for the Badgers, what Phil did for the Badgers, what I was doing for the Bucks, like all of us were at this tiny station in the cross yeah. at the same time. And we all went on to do those things. Yeah. And Ben was the first to leave to Madison. Yeah. I mean, ben left to Madison. I'm like, I got a sports talk show in Madison, Wisconsin. How cool is that? And then a few months later, reached out and said, do you want to come to Madison? Not to host a sports talk show, but to produce Badger hockey. And I was like, well, apparently we're all going to Madison now. And you went to Milwaukee a little bit later, and now you're with the, the Bucks pregame and the postgame, and that's so cool. And you worked with Ted Davis for, what, a couple couple of years before Ted retired? Six years, yeah, six. Yeah. Ted's, Ted, um, you know, I worked with Ted in in Madison, and uh, now you've got a new play-by-play guy. How, how's the new guy? What's Is it Cone? Is oh, how you he's terrible. Him? He is the worst. No, Dave is, <laughs> <laughs> Dave is a, Dave's a great guy that uh, we hit it off from the start. And, um, you know, the nice thing too, is, um, working with Ted and Dennis for the first six years that I did it, I learned a lot from those guys. And I worked with Dennis quite a bit, even before doing the Bucks job, because I was producing the Packers studio broadcasts for the Packers radio network. And Dennis was the host of that. So I had worked with Dennis for over a decade doing that and worked with him for about five years before I started doing the Bucks job. So I, I knew him and I had a relationship with him, but Ted, I did not. So I got to know the two of those guys and, and got to learn quite a bit from guys that have been doing this as long as they have. But now with the new team that we have, uh, the nice part is not to get ageist here, but all three of us are around the same age and have a lot of the same interests. And myself, Dave Kane, who's the play-by-play guy, Ben Brust, well, the Madison fans will know very well. Um, that's who the team is now. And we all hit it off immediately and realized, yeah, we have a lot of common interests and especially Ben and myself, I didn't have any relationship or, or know him before this. And we've developed a pretty good friendship and realizing like, yeah, we see the same things when we watch the game and we look for the same thing. So that's been nice of, it's not like it was a bad environment or hostile or anything like that, but it's, it's kind of like the lacrosse days where it's, all of us are pretty close in age. We have the same interests. We all get along, and it's just made it even more fun this year. Kane, Dave Kane. I missed Kane, yeah, I'm like the wrestler Kane. Yeah. Okay. I apologize to Dave Kane. Um, all right. So you get to, do you, you don't travel. You do the, the, the stuff from the studio. I do not travel. Yeah. On, on road games. Um, but uh, you you got to be part of the Bucks championship. Were you? Did you go to the parade? Were you in I was, the parade? I was in the parade. You were in the parade. in the parade. Yeah, it was. Uh, so I I got a chance to work with a lot of people in the organization. The last what this is my seventh year. So in the last few years, I expanded and got a chance to work with a lot of people outside of just the radio broadcast. And I think. That's the most important thing that I think people should take from this too, is you need to network those relationships that, you know, early on getting into radio, I was 
in any job, I was always like, well, I'd rather, I'd rather get this on my merit than who I know. And like, you still get things on your merit, but you get the opportunity by who you know, and those relationships that you build there. So the last few years, I worked with more and more teams and, you know, just did stuff like game recaps and other things that we would do on the website and on the Bucks app. And it introduced me to some of their marketing teams and their in arena entertainment teams. And then we started to like experiment with doing different types of shows where like three years ago, I think we started what was then called courtside live where it was just, I mean, it couldn't have been a good experience for anybody. So if you watched it, thank you. I don't know how you put up with it, but it was, it was a 60 minute show and there was cameras, which it took weeks of getting the league and the bucks to sign off on this. Cause at first they were like, why do you want to do this? Cause it was cameras in the arena that were just showing what, like two hours before tip off every game players will go through in rows of in sets of two. And for about 15 to 20 minutes, they'll do their own type of shoot around and warm up. So their idea was, okay, what if we just film that and show the players warming up? And then we have somebody that hosts a radio show underneath it. So I wasn't on camera. You just saw the players warming up and then me talking. I love it. So we did that, but the team, the league, they're all hesitant at first. Like we, we don't want, you know, teams to watch this or fans to watch this and see like this guy's working on that. So it took a while of convincing and figuring out where can the cameras go and what can't they show? So we did that for a year and a half. Um, There's no breaks. It was an hour and it was just me talking. So we tried to figure out, all right, he keeps repeating the same thing like three times where it's like, he'll do a 20 minute show and then repeat it and then repeat it. So what else can we sprinkle in? And we figured out how to add uh, coach Budenholzer's pregame comments, figured out how to get a second headset so I could have a guest on occasionally. And um, we did that. Then the pandemic happened. So it stopped. Um, When we resumed, there, uh, that team that developed that had reached out to me and said, Hey, we're thinking of bringing this back. Would you be interested? And I said, sure. Um, and they were telling me, well, we have bigger plans for it that we think it's like, you're going to be on camera. Would you be okay with that? And they're telling me all these things they were thinking up. I'm like, yeah, I'm fine with whatever, not believing any of this would actually happen until we go through a run through. And I see like, this is an actual TV show that I have to be there five hours before tip to put on a headset and go through run-throughs and practice what we're going to talk about. They're showing me Chiron and like, what stats do you want on the screen where it was, holy cow. So we did that basically to mimic everything they would put on the scoreboard uh, in game since no fans were in the arena up until, you know, most of the season last year. So we did that show it long story short, allowed me to work with a totally different team and get to know them and uh, get to build a great relationship with all the people that run entertainment for the Bucks. Yeah. So as we did that throughout the year, when we moved to the playoffs, we didn't do the show anymore, but we did like pep rallies and gatherings outside the arena on a stage. And they asked me to MC that. So it was usually me and Zora Stevenson or me and Marcus Johnson or me and Jim Paskey. So we were out there at the deer on the, dis- deer yeah, district. in the deer yeah. district out there yeah. on the stage before games where I would have to, you know, do this game preview and then sprint into the arena to get back in time for the radio broadcast. So doing all that, that's the same team that I worked with. And then after they won the championship, um, I was at the arena until like four in the morning that the game ended at around 11 and there was a celebration going on inside the arena. So as soon as I wrapped the post game, I was down on the court with that team and a bunch of other executives I'd gotten to know and work with. And they had said like, Hey, we want you to be in the parade. Like, okay, great. I accept. And uh, as we led up to it, the next day they were texting me of, all right, what do you want to do? Because we, we have a lot of options and you can do this or this or this. And it boiled down to, you have two options here. You can be on the player bus and go throughout the parade and, and you get to experience that. Or you can come on the bus with the rest of us. Like, okay, what's, I mean, one sounds better than the other, no offense, but what's the difference? Like, well, if you're on the player bus, you'll probably be downstairs because it was a a double-decker bus. You'll probably be on the the main level. You're technically working, so you got to be professional. If you're on the flatbed with us, it's going to be a party. 
Oh, well, that seems like a no brainer. I will do the flatbed. So I got to experience the parade and go through on one of those buses and just go down Wisconsin Avenue and see what it was like and see each time as we would make the turn fans gathering and thinking like, here comes a bus full of players. And then they just see me like waving and throwing out t-shirts. Yeah. At least you're the t-shirt guy. Everybody loves the t-shirt guy. People will do anything for a free t-shirt, man. Um, that's so cool. So now the big question is. Uh, I know what you're going with. Uh, I don't get ring. I didn't get one yet. I don't believe I'm getting one. And it's crap. Milwaukee bucks. That is crap. Milwaukee bucks. You are remains to be seen, but I'll tell you this. Hold on. You just paid your guy $250 million. You can't pull a couple, you know, bills away from that and buy Justin Garcia a ring. That's baloney. Well, I'll say this. Um, The whole time. And that was the, the question I got all summer from everybody that I would see for the first time in like a year. The whole time I've, I've operated on the assumption that I'm not getting one, but also I, I've in doing this for now seven years, I've gotten to know quite a bit of people with other teams, humble brag, and um, people that do basically the same role I do with other teams. I've gotten to be decent friends with some of them. And everyone that I talked to has said the same thing of, are you getting a ring? Like, I don't know. It's like 50, 50 with most of the teams on whether or not guys in similar spots to me got one, but are you getting a ring? I'm not sure. Okay. If you don't, it's not a bad thing because the number varies from everybody I've talked to, but there's some guys that have, yeah, I got a ring. It was great, but then you're taxed on it. And I paid like $8,000 in taxes on that ring. Like, hmm, okay. So maybe it's not a bad thing if I don't get one. Yeah. That's an interesting dilemma. Do you want to take the hit? Or do you want the ring? I think overall, JG, I would view it as you're going to remember that ring 20, 30, 40 years from now. You're going to, you're not going to remember the tax. Well, or I I could just not pay it, you know, like go to Canada or something, see if I can do this job remotely. I mean, I'm going to remember the parade and like every single one of those games where we were doing like, to me, there's, there's really three moments that stand out Four actually. Um, well, like three-ish. So when we were doing that stage show, the first round of the playoffs, no one, there was somewhat of an interest because it was Miami, but it was still like sigh of relief. We beat Miami. That There wasn't huge gatherings outside the arena. In the second round, it started to pick up because it was Kevin Durant and the Nets. And there was that, you know, growing belief that whoever wins this might win the title, but they're definitely winning the East. When we got to game three, there was a anxiety out there from people that were like, don't let this be the end. Like, don't go down three games to none where we know it's over. When they won, the crowd started to pick up more and more because we would do that show every game, not just home games. Sometimes they would uh, sell tickets for you to watch the game in the arena or they had events for season ticket holders in there and they had the game playing outside the arena every game. So it would start to build more and more and more. And then for game seven, um, not a home game for the Bucks. We went out to do the, the stage show. And for the first six games of that series, four games of the Heat series, there was a sprinkling of fans outside where it was, it was full-ish in the Deer District, but it wasn't packed. For game seven, it was packed and people extended all the way back to where the Bradley Center used to be. And when we walked on stage, I was with Jim Paskey that day. Both of us were like, holy, holy yeah. cow, there's a lot of people here. So then there was that in the game itself and, you know, the way it ended, we were still doing games from inside the arena all year, home or road. And so it was just a bizarre experience because it, it felt so eerie walking into for a road game they didn't have the arena lit or anything like you were just allowed to be in the building. You went up to the, to the broadcast booth, you did it and it was dark. And there was me, Ted, our engineer, and then Jim Zora and Marcus and like two of their producers and engineers. Those were the only ones of us in the building during road games. So it felt very eerie to be in this cavernous dark building with just like 10 people. So when the Nets game ended, when Kevin Durant missed the shot, we were obviously on a direct feed and what they were playing outside was uh, um, delayed a little bit. So we see it happen. 
Yeah. And I'm still in disbelief, like, holy cow, he missed it. And then like two seconds later, you hear this eruption from outside the arena of, okay, now they're getting the feed and they see the Bucks just won and they're going to the conference finals. And we could see from in the arena, the way that the panels are in the concourse, we could see the fireworks going off and you just hear fans cheering that I could hear that in the background from inside the building. So cool. when we were doing the post-game show, there was that, there was um, game six of the finals. We did the same show before the game. And that's when they had to build an actual music talent stage that they were getting ready for anticipation of the parade. So they built that and pushed it back even further to a vacant lot. So this is like a stage you would find at like Coachella or Bonnaroo that we were on. And I was with Marcus Johnson that day and walking out onto that stage and seeing like there is 30,000 people here in front of me right now that I am addressing this many people that you just were like, holy cow. And, I, and that game too, when we wrapped up that show or that like game preview, I remember thinking like, how am I going to get back in the arena? Cause when I tried to get to that stage, the usual path I would take, it was just like lines of people where I couldn't get there. And I had to text the, the producer of that stage show and tell him I can't get out there. It's like, Oh, you're going to have to go back in the building go up to the second level, walk to the skywalk, come in the parking ramp, go out of there and then walk across and we'll let you onto the stage. So I did that and thinking like, I got like 15 minutes to get back in the building now before our radio show starts. How am I going to get in there and telling him that? He's like, don't worry. We have security. That's going to usher you and Marcus back in the building. Like Perfect. So we wrap up and there was like four or five um, individuals that came to every single one of these pregame pep rally stage shows yeah. that um, would call my name just from seeing me every, every single time. So I just walked by to say hi and, and bye to them. And as soon as I look over, I see there goes security with Marcus Johnson. They're already gone. So I had to like walk what felt like three miles and just wave in and out through the people, go to barricades and show police officers my credential. Like, Hey, I got to get in the building. I'm supposed to be here and we can't help you out. I'll let you through the barricade, but you're on your own. And I made it into the booth like 45 seconds before the radio show was starting. That's not stressful at all. You're probably out of breath a little bit. Well, yeah. Then you get there like, (sighs) it's game six. (sighs) Bucks have a chance. That's what happens to me. The kid from Malcolm in the middle. (laughs) That's what happens to me sometimes at the field house. If I have to use the restroom during, because at the field house, I'm way at the top and there's like three or four levels of stairs. And the, the, the restrooms are at the, you know, the main yeah. concourse floor. And there'll be times like, these aren't long breaks. These are like two minute breaks. And I'm like, and hey, we'll be right back. You're listening to Wisconsin Basketball. Boom. I go down. I run back up. I usually get there either 10 seconds late or 10 seconds early. And I'm getting there. I'm like, hey, we're back. Welcome back. And it just sucks because you can't talk. You can't breathe. You need air. Um, but, but back to the Deer District, because the Deer District, Will it ever be like that again? I no. mean, that that might be, listen, you, you, I'm going to say you, like the Bucks, they maxed out the Deer District, didn't they? Like, yeah. that's about as good as you could possibly imagine that scenario being. Yeah, and it was, um, it was a perfect storm for them in that, you know, where we did the, the stage for the parade and for game six, that area was vacant now but it's not always going to be like that's where they're planning hotels and some other things so this was the year where they looked at and said holy cow everything is falling into place in terms of us running to the finals and and health for other teams and we're staying healthy and Giannis miraculously comes back but also we have development that's going to start to happen in the deer district it's not happening yet so I mean if you were there you know it was you were like on a construction site that it was just loose gravel that was out there, but it was a vacant lot. And same with the overflow lot on the other side of the building where they put more monitors as well. Um, That's all stuff they could do last summer, but they're going to start to develop that. So it's not always going to be open. All right. Uh, The block, the dunk, the 50 point game. What was most impressive to you? Um, Man. Well, the block I got to see happen literally right in front of me. So that was one where you're still in disbelief of 
how did that happen? Um, the dunk, the value one to me was when it was, yeah, this is over. Like they're winning this series. And I got laughed at. I mean, I remember being on with you, not from you, but okay. I did I did a spot on a couple of stations in Phoenix too, where they had me on uh, after game two, basically to gloat and a couple of national shows like, Hey, what's wrong with the bucks. And I remember saying on that and every single appearance I did like, look, look at the numbers and look at where Phoenix is scoring from and, and the production that they're getting and what the bucks have not done yet. I still don't think this series is over. I still feel like the bucks are going to win this series. Maybe this means it's going seven now, but I still think they're winning and everybody thought it was crazy. And then they're able, they're able to get game three. They win game four on the block. And that's when I think the wheels started to turn of, yeah, we're definitely seeing this team turn the corner. And then going into game five, you felt like it's over if they win today, that if they win three in a row, it is done. And when they did that, the way they did for Drew Holiday Steele and for Giannis, and that was another surreal experience to have, empty arena me sitting next to Ted and that's where we're calling the game from and you realize this team is probably winning the championship in a couple of days now mm, it was so cool I I like the 50 point game because how many I mean to, to be able to be in that situation to make your free throws to score that many for the team to win it after 50 years to score 50 points is such a fantastic number to land on like that's storybook. That's movie type of crap right there. Like that's not really supposed to happen in real life where you score 50 points and win a championship and you come from Greece and, and everything yeah. that Giannis has gone. Like that's a movie, man. Come on. It was, um, it was also the, so the block happened right in front of where I was and Giannis and PJ Tucker, their embrace where they jumped up and um, basically hugged each other that happened right in front of us too, where they knew like the game is over and like everybody was just looking at the clock. I remember in that fourth quarter, once you got down to like four minutes or so, just watching the clock, like, all right, let's wait for this thing to get to zero. And once it was there and, and they, they were basically over with about 10 seconds left. That's when Giannis and PJ did it, that it was still kind of like, holy cow, like in, in eight seconds from now or whatever it is, it's left in the clock we're going to say the Bucks are NBA champions that, you know, it, it's obviously easy to picture now with Giannis, but when I started with that team, they were obviously on the ascent, but I grew up in the area and yeah. grew up going to the Bradley center and watching blue Edwards and Todd day and Eric Murdoch and Lee Mayberry. So I never thought I would see an NBA championship in Milwaukee. I never thought I'd see an NBA championship or a world series championship. And if you asked me, which is more likely to happen, I probably would have said the Brewers are more likely to win the World Series than the Bucks are to do anything just from years of futility. So it was, you know, what it taught me too is the first year that Bud arrived and they went 60 and 22 and blew a, a two nothing lead in the conference finals. You heard all these people tell you along the way, it, it doesn't just happen like this. Like you don't just pop up be great and win the title in that first year you need to go through some of those and, and people pointed to jordan but whatever you you need to experience failure get the point you get the point yeah you get the yeah. point like it's not always going to happen the first time you got yeah. yeah but i was always like well yeah i get that but i mean this team's been really good and then you see why you needed to experience it that you, you see how Giannis changed his game you see that's what pushed them to bring in drew holiday that's what told them hey, we need to look for guys that are just good in the playoffs and bring in P.J. Tucker and change their defense. So it was all a three-year process for this team. And if you were here for all of those, it made it incredibly rewarding on July 20th. So fun. Did you grab uh, – I think I asked you this. Somebody – yeah. So you and everybody else asked me if – confetti? Yeah. I did not. So ah, you, I'll get well, it. you'll get it the next championship. Don't, don't worry, JG. Just so, think of that the next time. I mean, win. I had an opportunity. I was on the court and um, everybody asked, did you get confetti? And I was like, no, what? Like, I get that this is what rained down when they won the title, but what am I going to do with it? Like you five years it. from now? Yes. No, yes. because it, it gets thrown out. You sell it on eBay. You give it to Fox fans and that are your friends. You're like, Hey, I got you. Here's a championship confetti. Like, I was this close to texting right. you, JJ. All right. In like, hindsight, now confetti. confetti. 
in hindsight, given what's coming up in three weeks, it would have been nice to save money and just hand people bags of confetti and you say, put it in the Merry Christmas. This is, yeah. All right. Fine. You, fine. It's a good point. Gosh, that would have been awesome. People could have displayed their confetti like on their desks at work. You could have grabbed, you could have grabbed like a Ziploc bag full and that would have been like years of presents right there. I should have just taken a picture of myself, like crouching down, putting up the fingers for number one and then confetti. And confetti. Gosh. All right. Well, you missed out on, on the confetti deal. Uh, what else did I have for you as far as the Bucks? Deer District, you talked about the confetti. I actually had confetti written down. I got to ask JG about confetti because he, he blew it on that. Um, what about the Bucks this year? Are they going to be able to, to repeat as champs? I know they had a, a big win against uh, Charlotte last night. Yeah, I mean, I I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but I, I thought the Bucks coming into the season were the best team on paper. And, you know, all of a sudden we've gone from in the span of two weeks, they were 11th and I wouldn't say people freaking out, but people like, whoa, why are they 11th right now? And injuries were the reason why, but now – don't look now, but the Bucks are just, what, a game and a half out of top record in the Eastern Conference. So it started to settle out. I think the most important thing is they're 10-0 and 0 in games where Giannis, Drew, and Chris play. So yes. that's kind of the same thing we saw last year is even with the early 500 play, guys were in and out of the lineup. But when those three guys played, they typically won. Um, I still, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens at the trade deadline. I don't expect the Bucks to be very active for a number of reasons, but you know, if PJ, not PJ Tucker, if Buggy Cousins, yeah, I was really impressed by him in his first game. And, you know, at 14 minutes is what he played. I think 10, 12, 14 is what you expect from him. If he can continue to play like that, I don't know what you'd really look to address at the trade deadline anyway, if you're the Bucks, if you have that, if Brooke Lopez comes back, we, we know he's going to come back, but when he comes back and you, you get Dante DiVincenzo back. So they're still a very deep team as deep as they have been. And I think they understand the importance of let's just be healthy in the postseason that we saw that change last year. I get the sense. That's a lot of what they're doing with Brooke Lopez. And that's kind of Dante a little bit as well, that it sounds like he'll be around Christmas day or January that he returns. So, you know, barring what other teams do in the conference, it's still for as good of a story as the East has been this year with all of a sudden the Bulls are really good and the Wizards have been playing well and the Hornets too. It's still the Bucks, the Nets, and then a big drop off with everybody else. So I, I just, you know, the, the X factor for the Nets is Kyrie. This version of the Nets, I, I don't see them beating the Bucks again. That I think the Bucks would beat the Nets in this series. So it's just, you're going to have to wait to see what would possibly happen at the deadline. but. I feel really good about their chances. I think whoever wins the East is is going to win the NBA championship again, that the West is just dealing with injuries and those teams at the top. Phoenix is playing really well. The Warriors look really good, but I still like the way the Bucs and the Nets match up with those teams. You know, that is the luxury, by the way, back to the injuries of an NBA season is that it's so long and the playoffs are so long that if you – have an injury in early December or whatever, you have so much time to get ready, not only yeah. to heal up, but then to get back into the rhythm and then to get into the post. Like there's so much time that right now it's, it's a luxury for the buck. So I think as fans, you just got to be patient and, and realize that the NBA season is a grind and they'll get there eventually. Now I have a question. You mentioned the Hornets. Do I hold my LaMelo rookie cards right now, or do I sell my Lamella rookie cards, obviously sell now. He's, he's really playing really well. He scored what? 36 points last night. Yeah, Hit a big yeah. late. Like he's, he looks like he is a star in the making. So he do is. I hold now or do I wait a year or two? And maybe they make the postseason. Maybe he makes a push and those rookie cards a little higher up in value. So you're a card guy. I'm a sports card guy. Yeah. Have you always been? Oh yeah. Ever since I was a kid, I, I stopped. Really? Uh, I, see, I was when I was a kid too. Yeah, I stopped in, well, not 2002, when I got into college, maybe 98, 99. So I stopped okay. right in time, um, right when LeBron's rookies came out and everything. So that was a good time to stop, I thought, for me, um, to miss yeah. out on that wave. Um, but, yes, I got back into it in 2018 when the, the boom, right before the boom. Okay, I was going to say, so I stopped, um, we're around the same age. I stopped in like 96, 95-ish, like 
I remember collecting like Jason Kidd and I loved Glenn Robinson. I like collecting those rookies in Grant Hill and for baseball, I loved Frank Thomas. So him and Barry Bonds were the cards that I collected the most. And then once I got to like middle school, high school is when I kind of teetered out and just stopped. Yeah. And then I made the mistake of, I don't even know what happened to my cards. I don't know if I sold them or I let my parents get rid of them. I don't have any of them anymore. And in hindsight, I feel like an idiot. Charles Barkley cards too. That was my basketball collection was Big Dog and Charles Barkley. And about like right around the time you got into it, then I was starting to think like, man, I want to get back into sports cards and like basketball and baseball and like started doing research and just never did. And then finally I decided, okay, I'm going to do this. And that's when the boom happened and seeing how much it costs to buy these like all right. Yeah. I'm going to wait. So um, <laughs> I, I would hold on the Lamelo ball cards. Cause I mean, he's, I, I think everybody was skeptical of him just because of the family lineage, but he is amazing. And in hearing um, coach James Boriego, the Hornets talk about him yesterday before the game too. He, he didn't compare him to Giannis, but he said, you know, uh, you look at what Giannis has done the last five years and, and look where he was when he entered the league from Greece and the strides that he made there. LaMelo's not that different in that he went through more training and went through AAU ball and that nature, but played overseas, came here, was doing what he's doing now, surprised a lot of people last year. And now he's playing even better this year that, you know, James Boriego himself said, I'm not comparing him to Giannis, but I think five years from now where he is going to be the way he sees the game and everything else, he he's, he's going to be great. And uh, what you saw last night, it's easy to say that I, uh, I would hold them and see, you know, maybe those will continue to rise. But I also, now that you talk about this, I really want to get into it. I thought I've developed a friendship with Ben Golliver as well and hear him talk about it quite frequently in the hot packs and the, the accounts that he'll follow on Instagram where you open them up. That's, I want to get back into cards just so I can do unboxings on Instagram, put on the gloves, open them up and go through. Here's what we got. Oh, I got a John Concac. Nice. Um, yeah, that's um, okay. I will hold for Lamel. And the other thing I think Lamel has going for him um, is that he's got like almost a million followers on Twitter, Instagram's yeah. even crazy. So there's popularity there. So if he's good, popular, the league is selling him and he wins. I know that's a lot of factors. That is what results in a demand. He's for a good. Like- he's good. He's popular. He's flashy. He's got a cool name. Yes. All I mean, of it. Yeah. He's got one name. You know him as LaMelo. Like there's so many things going for LaMelo Ball right now. And by the way, so I got into cards back in 2018 when you could still get them. <laughs> this is how crazy it was. Three years ago, you could find uh, Panini Prism. I'm not going to get yeah. too crazy with sports because yeah. I can hear the podcast turning off. But um, Panini Prism is kind of like the, the, the hot thing. Like I remember in 2018 looking at these boxes and going, I'm not really into basketball right now. And there's just boxes at Target. They were just sitting there. Now they're selling for like thousands of dollars. And yeah. that was just three years ago. I had a Kobe rookie from my childhood, 96 tops. JG, I sent it in to get graded. It came back a 10, a perfect Kobe rookie tops card. I was like, cool. It was $25, okay? That's how much it was going for. It jumped to $75. Kobe passed away. It jumped to $5,000. And I'm thinking, well, I will never see another market jump like this in sports cards again. And I sold it like a month later. I got 600 that thing went back up during the boom and I'm regretting selling that Kobe rookie ever since I had a perfect Kobe rookie from my childhood that I just, here, I'll take some money now. And you got to get back into it. Although it, it, it gets pretty confusing because there are like so many brands, so many different types of cards, so many parallels. Um, it, it does get confusing. I will say you, you got to do research. And I remember last, like I, I picked the worst time where I was like, all right, I'm doing it. And it was like once everything shut down and then looking yeah. online to see how much boxes cost and like, this nope. is a uh, $300 and you get, you know, 360 cards. And then you read through it. Like these are just like basic packs. You're not going to get anything that's worth any value in these. And it's 300 bucks for this. Yeah. And now, you know what boxes, when we were kids, boxes were 36 packs, yeah, of 15 was, cards each. Yeah. Right. You'd be like lots of cards. And nowadays, a lot, they call blaster boxes. They're the smaller retail boxes you'll get at a Target or a Walmart. Those are like five packs of four cards. 
you get like 20 cards for 25 bucks nowadays. Well, did it Target stop selling boxes too over yeah, like the guys and issues that people were stealing? Yeah, and like robbing people for them. They they shut it down nationally after a story in Wisconsin, I forget, somewhere near Milwaukee, where these guys got in a fight. Somebody pulled out a gun because they didn't like the way the guy budged in line or something. And they're like, okay, we can't sell sports cards anymore. People are going to start pulling guns on each other. So they shut it down and you can only get it online. And it's been like that for a while. And then what happens? The bots come in, JG. The bots come in. They're like, boom, 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 boom. And they're all gone. Now you can't buy them. It's like PS5 all over again. It is. My buddy just got a PS5. Shout out Damian Fox. He just got a PS5 <laughs> at Target today. Grab one. Target.com. Boom. Uh, that's, that's another throwback to the lacrosse days. There was two friends of John's that he would always reference when he was talking to us about what he was going to do. And Damian Fox was one of them. So we would always kid you around like, oh, you and Damian Fox are doing that? He's <laughs> <laughs> my roommate in college. Yeah. Who was the other guy I would uh, – was there a Jesse or something? Jesse Hines, yeah. Yeah. He, he came to lacrosse a couple of times too to visit, I'm sure. We probably went out with, with Jesse, JG and Jesse. Um, all right, JG, I don't know. Did I miss anything? I feel like what's going to happen is we're going to end the podcast and I'm going to go, God dang it, I never asked JG about that. But I don't know. Um, Good? No, I need you to teach me about volleyball too. Oh, you're going to be watching? They're in the postseason now. Yeah, I see that. And uh, one of my best friends from lacrosse, his daughter is one of the best prep volleyball players in the nation that she's starting to get recruited by a lot of schools. So ever, ever. maybe I can uh, try to grease the wheels there and, yeah. and see if she lands at Madison. She wants to come to a top tier program in the nation. She should go to Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that starts on Friday and Saturday, first two rounds. Uh, they'll be hosting in Madison. So you can watch that. I think that's going to be on ESPN plus. But as they get yeah. deeper in the postseason, cross your fingers, you'll start to see that on, on ESPN and, and different coverage there. Do they uh, do they take your call? For the ESPN Plus? Yeah. No, I don't think so. They, they, they've taken my call select times on BTN Plus. But it's weird because if I, if I just did a television call, it would be totally different. You know, yeah. it would be totally different because I'm going 100 miles an hour on the radio, like, all right, dug out, pass it right, here's a hit, now dug out again. Like, I'm just everything that I possibly can fit well, in there. Yeah. I mean, that's a funny thing. Sit back and say, like, kill. <laughs> you saw what happened. I mean, that's the <laughs> funny thing about last night when they played the Hornets um, during every break through like the first half. Dave Kane would take off the headset and just like, holy cow, I don't know how to keep up with this because he's like, this is really fast for the Hornets play fast. The Bucks play a fast tempo as well. And this was the most back and forth fast played game we'd seen all season. But as Dave said, like, I came from Virginia where we're scoring <laughs> like 40 points a game. And now it's just, here's a point. Here's a point. Every two seconds, basket, basket. That's really funny because I never thought about that. He does come from Virginia and college basketball where it's a longer shot clock. It's a slower pace at times, especially with Virginia defensively. They're so good. And then you come to the NBA and it's 125 to 125 or whatever. And you're up and down the court with dunks and shots and within 10 seconds. And like, that's got to be really different. for you. I mean, I told him to like, I didn't hear much of your call. No offense. I just can't watch Virginia <laughs> like when you see Giannis and when you see 100 plus points and I had 120 at, at one point the Bucks were scoring like 140 regularly the last couple of years yeah I can't go to like 50 points a night yeah, so but, uh, sorry Mama Kite uh, what's his name Mama Mamadi yeah Mamadi Diakite is that his Diakite. name yeah he yeah. was on the Bucks give a shout out to Virginia. he was uh yeah no longer there so Dave oh. couldn't catch up with him uh, he game one when the, the Bucks played the Nets, he uh, he got to catch up with Joe Harris and took me and Ben down on the court and was hanging out with Joe and talking with him and hearing Joe and Ben talk too, because they were around the same age. And Ben had said when, when Tony Bennett was at Washington State, he recruited Ben to go play there. But then he transferred, or not transferred, but went to Virginia, didn't recruit him to Virginia. So that's part of how Ben ended up at Wisconsin. And seeing him and, and Joe Harris talk before the game and Joe's like, oh yeah, I knew who you were. I thought you were going to come play for us and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, Tony stopped recruiting me. Like, oh man, could you imagine if we were on the same team together? Oh my God, that would have been insane. 
Now, if I ever see Ben Brust in person, I'm going to be like, hey, do you remember that half-court shot you hit? Um, so, yeah, he does, because last night he was quick to point it out several times when, <laughs> um, who was it, uh, Miles Bridges missed that half-court heave that oh. would have won the game. God. So he kept nudging me like, oh, man. And then literally 30 seconds after the game ends, he shows me his phone, and he had a text from Zach Showalter saying – Almost hit the Ben Brust shot. Oh, that's hilarious. Because it was at the same spot almost. Like exact same spot, yeah. Yeah, and that one almost dropped, unlike Ben's, which did against Michigan, which forced overtime. Um, All right, JG, this was fun. We should do it again. Um, And then we can talk more about, maybe we'll bring on Ben Larson. We can have, like, (laughs) we can do a local show. Oh, man. Yeah. I could do 2021 version. (laughs) You know, they bring back Full House on Netflix. They bring back all these old shows. Let's bring back an old local radio show. 2021 version of the local show. You guys can host it. I'll do the uh, sports updates. Dude, I'm not even joking. If we did a 30-minute version of that, and you actually (laughs) did an update, just like scrolling through ESPN.com or whatever. And I'll read it as poorly as I did 15 (laughs) years ago, too. Nice. The, oh, the Bucks won be... last night. Check the score. Refresh, refresh, refresh. Uh, 87 points that they – nope, 88 to 84. Bucks won. Or you say the score like, Bucks uh, lost 84-88. <laughs> say it like backwards <laughs> yeah. or something like that. Yeah. God, that would be the best. I'm, I'm not joking. I want to do a local show. Neither am I. I mean, we should go to lacrosse to do it from there too. Uh, well, now that's a two-hour drive, so I don't know if I'm going to do it now. Well, it's a three-hour for some of us. Okay, well, never mind. Um, I shouldn't be complaining then. All right, JG, Justin Garcia, Bucks Radio, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. This was great. Okay. All right, we'll talk to you again, and we will do a local show version. Thank you. All right, there you go, Justin Garcia of the Bucks Radio Network. Thanks to JG. And once again, the Ian's Pizza Word combo today is a happy a happy go find the previous five words or word combos form that secret message and you could be a winner of five hundred dollars from ian's pizza and the john cast podcast by the way ian's pizza the thanksgiving slice is no longer you had your limited time opportunity but you can always go pick up a gift card for that pizza lover lover on your christmas list yes who doesn't love a guy or gal who provides Ian's Pizza gift cards as stocking stuffers. They're the perfect stocking stuffer for whatever price you want for that pizza lover on your gift list. Listen, you'll be the hit of Christmas behind Santa Claus, apparently. Uh, Once again, thanks to Justin Garcia for joining the podcast. We'll have more podcasts coming next week. Thank you for supporting this podcast. Don't forget to turn on, I think on Spotify, you can turn on notifications. So every time there is a new episode, you get it, boom, right there to your phone. Go do that. It's really easy. And thanks for listening to the John Cast. Goodbye.